Diablo, and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, July 14th, and we start with local news. On the heels of hate flyers placed on marquees of three black churches in Columbia, a crowd of community, church, and elected leaders gathered at Mount Calvary Missionary Baptist Church, showing solidarity in prayer and unity. The church, steeped in history, is nestled on East 8th Street in downtown Columbia, which was once a bustling hub of black businesses. The church's longtime pastor, Kenny Anderson, set the tone of the gathering, preaching that the flyer with racially charged rhetoric aimed at three black churches in Columbia, quote, brought us together. What a wonderful gathering for the wrong cause. What the enemy uses for evil, God will use for good. Anderson said to the crowd of over 100 crammed into the church annex, including Columbia Police Chief Jeremy Alsup and officers, Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder, Murray County Mayor Sheila Butt, and almost a dozen pastors. Earlier this week, the Columbia Police Department asked for the community's help in identifying a suspect involved in leaving flyers at three predominantly black churches in Columbia. The flyer references the Old Glory Knights of the Ku Klux Klan and includes an email address for an unnamed individual. The group seems to have a website and is referenced in Twitter posts that include disturbing images of burning crosses and robed individuals. The three churches which received the flyer include Faith United Missionary Baptist Church and Bethel Chapel AME Church, in addition to Mount Calvary, all located in the same neighborhood. The Columbia Police Department posted a video on Facebook showing a male individual placing an additional flyer on the Muletown Pizza food truck parked off James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Anderson, a native of Columbia, said a churchgoer first informed him of the flyer stuck to the church marquee on Sunday, which he saw upon entering the church parking lot. I called the police. I talked to an officer. He was so kind. He was upset himself. I was upset. I was mad, he said. The Columbia Police Department is close to identifying a suspect, according to Chief Alsup, who shared an update with the crowd. The officers of the CPD are the best in the business, Alsup said. They have been working tirelessly. All I can say in this active investigation is that we are close. Hate rhetoric or anything of this nature, these flyers, they have no business in this community or any community, he said. Your Columbia Police Department will do their best to make sure anything like this to keep it from ever coming back, he said. The crowd applauded Alsup's comments. This community amazes me constantly, said Alsup, who has served as with the police department for over 25 years. I knew as soon as this act of hate occurred that this would be how this community reacts, he said. What began as a response to words of hate turned into a community faith service, processing feelings of outrage and hurt, as well as hope. Reverend Tanya Mason of Bethel Chapel AME Church, located in South Glade Street, in the same vicinity as Mount Calvary, addressed the crowd in response to the flyer. She calls her two and a half years in Columbia a blessing with friendly people. Most people I have encountered desire a community of healing, unity, and solidarity, Mason said. However, on Sunday, July 9th, my congregation was met with a flyer that echoed the terroristic message of the past and ever-present space of evil and darkness. I say to those today who think that our future is in their hands that they must not know the resilience of the people and African-American Methodist Episcopal Church, she said. Mason said she is outraged that sexism and racism still exist in 2023 and that black men and women are profiled due to their color. 
I am outraged as clergy who preaches the message, Love thy neighbor as thyself, yet I must explain to children and adults that the very neighborhood they live in and the community they love doesn't love them back, she said. Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder said after trying to find the right words to prepare, he found none. The only anecdote Mulder shared was a heavy sigh by Anderson during a previous phone conversation. I think that sometimes in order to heal, you first have to understand the hurt, Mulder said. In that sigh, I felt like I could feel the pain that he was feeling. After Mayor Mulder said he is confident the perpetrator will be prosecuted vigorously, he quoted words that Governor Bill Lee shared during the pandemic. In the worst of times, the best of humanity shines, he said. Community pastors, including Anderson, closed the gathering with prayer. Hate will never win, Anderson said. God did this. When you are showing some hate towards some folk that thrives to show love, and you tell God about it, if we have a heart like Christ, you are just going to show up. I just thank God for all of you showing up. God is on our side today, he said. The Columbia Police Department will post updates on the case on Facebook. In preparation of Spring Hill's projected growth, city leaders are now seeking to expand the city's urban growth boundary, a decision of which many local residents are not in favor. Discussion of the proposed expansion was a hot topic during Monday's regular meeting of Spring Hill's Municipal Planning Commission, which drew comments and concerns from nearly a dozen residents. This was in addition to a fully packed room of additional concerned citizens, particularly residents on or near Barker Road. While each speaker listed various reasons why they opposed the proposed boundary updates, they all shared the common attitude of wishing to not have their land become part of the city's future growth plans, and that all that comes with it. We do not want to be in the UGB and don't understand there are any benefits for us to be in the UGB or to be considered for annexation, Jeff Harris, a Barker Road resident, said. We want to be removed from this because we moved to this area to not be part of a city, to be part of another any other thing than the county, with those specific rules, laws, and taxes, he said. In addition, the proposed annexation would also affect boundaries in Brentwood, Fairview, Nolansville, Franklin, and Thompson Station's planned growth areas, which were last updated in 2001. Planners ultimately voted to approve a favorable recommendation to the Board of Mayor and Aldermen, who will review the proposed expansion during its Monday, July 17th work session. The Board of Mayor and Aldermen's recommendation will then go before a local government planning advisory committee chosen by the state, who will have the final authority. Spring Hill Development Director Peter Hughes said he appreciated the citizen feedback, but that much of the concerns might be premature for what the expanded growth boundary represents, which is to stay ahead of the projected growth expected over the next few years. Hughes also said a typical UGB should be updated every 20 years to evaluate market trends, growth patterns, and other changes that might have occurred. We know that growth is going to occur, and we want to ensure that that growth occurs in a way that the city can create as part of our city pattern. What that means is we want to ensure the city grows in the way we want it to, and that we can be responsible with that growth, Hughes said. The UGB is just identifying that area for us to move forward with and plan for. That's the reason why we are doing this, he said. Hughes added that the expansion does not mean property owners will now fall under the city limits, nor does it mean the properties now fall under the municipal authority, such as zoning or annexation. 
All it is doing is identifying areas for future growth to occur and for the city to invest resources and strategically plan to make sure when services are needed. They're in place in those areas, Hughes said. We have to prepare a plan of services that says we do have the capacity to serve this, have the police force to serve this, the fire department, parks and rec, and all the other services we can provide, he said. The expansion process began in 2021, which involved many meetings among stakeholders, city leaders, and planners representing each municipality. Alderman Matt Fitterer added that he believed many of the concerns were inflated and misplaced in regard to what the expansion hopes to accomplish and what that entails exactly. This does not affect anyone who owns property or who might own property within the UGB. This only allows us to appropriately plan for infrastructure that might or might not be needed in the future, Fitterer said. Annexation in Tennessee can only be done at the property owner's request, and there is absolutely nothing the city can do to annex any of this property. To say growth will or won't head that way is totally up to the landowners or future landowners and not the city, he said. County leaders grabbed their golden shovels to send dirt flying once again on Monday, signaling the start of work on the Murray County Archives expansion project, a near $10 million investment that is being hailed as the example to follow for other archival facilities. Preceding the groundbreaking, Eric Previti, Murray County Commission Chairman and Murray County Historical Society President, acknowledged the past diligence of the county archive staff to maintain the current collection and what that would look like as time progresses. It is with great pride that this and the last commission were able to make this happen, and it will be a great addition for this part of town, he said. No taxpayer dollars will be used in the project, but rather archives fee money that has been building up for several years. The expansion will stretch across 18,500 square feet of new space. Floor plans for the new building reveal a devoted research library with multiple microfilm and computer stations, a media presentation room, and records conservation lab. Additional rooms would be constructed for specialized areas such as three-dimensional artifacts, maps and surveys, photography, and other records processing divisions. The existing structure will be greatly updated as well to include a new roof and HVAC systems. While the current archives are in their temporary home, which will be located at the Mule Town Rec Building, located at 1446 Oak Springs Drive starting in September, building the new facility is estimated to take between 13 to 18 months. County Mayor Sheila Butt shared her excitement about the expansion just before the groundbreaking. The staff here and the dedication they have to this place is amazing, Butt said. And because the region knows what a good place we have, we are adding to the archives more and more information all the time. I'm so thankful we can do this, she said. Hewlett Spencer will lead the project management with Bell Construction handling the build-out. A grand opening ceremony is expected for the public to take place in early 2025. Nearly 5,000 schools for black children were built between 1912 and 1937 across 15 states, including Tennessee, to drive improvement in the education system for black children that would become the leaders of the civil rights movement in the United States. Of the 354 schools built in the state, 15 of them were in Murray County, and three of those are now featured in an exhibit at the Tennessee State Museum's most recent exhibit, Building a Bright Future, Black Communities and Rosenwald Schools in Tennessee presented in partnership with Fisk University's John Hope and Aurelia E. Franklin Library. 
Rosenwald schools were named for Sears, Roebuck & Company's president, Julius Rosenwald, who partnered with Booker T. Washington at the Tuskegee Institute to build the schools across the region. Partnering with the John Hope and Aurelia E. Franklin Library at Fisk University was essential to developing the exhibit, the State Museum said in a statement. We knew in order for such an exhibit to be successful, we would need to start by reaching out to and familiarizing ourselves with the previous work done by organizations who had already been preserving and telling the histories of these schools, said Matthew Galani, lead curator of the exhibition. It truly has been a privilege to work on this exhibit over the past year, Gailani added. In particular, the generosity of alumni and community leaders in sharing their histories and memories has been a very humbling experience. We hope that this exhibit will help act as a platform for communities across the state to tell their stories and highlight the importance of Rosenwald schools not only in Tennessee's past, but to its present and future as well, he said. Locally, the African American Heritage Society of Murray County has been instrumental in making the exhibit better for the preservation of so much history in the county. Murray County had the best building program in the state, according to historian Joanne McClellan's research. She noted in 1921, Professor O.H. Bernard, Department of Public Instructions, reported in the local newspaper that, quote, not only has Murray County one of the largest building programs for its schools in the state, but it unquestionably has the best building scheme in Tennessee. No county in Tennessee has made greater progress in public education than in Murray. McClellan, who has a, was a second-generation student of a Rosenwald school, recalled how the community took on the daunting task of educating young students through more than l- book learning. Boys often began the fall and winter school days pumping water and building fires. Girls and boys helped the teacher clean the school and maintain the grounds, she said. The teachers emphasized strict standards of personal deportment attention to their studies, as well as the fun, to children sharing lunches and the positive life lessons from their parents and teachers, she said. McClellan said she hopes visitors will see those attributes in the exhibit and learn more about how black students learned prior to the civil rights movement. I hope the visitors will appreciate the community's desire to educate their children and their belief that education was the true path to freedom, she said. The visitors will learn about the history of the Rosenwald schools and their importance in the education of students in rural African-American communities and the importance of the Rosenwald-Washington collaboration in the education of African-American students for more than 40 years in Murray County. Fisk University librarian Arnaud Wendell Botomp acquired the Julius Rosenwald Fund archives on behalf of the university in 1948. The collection documents the history of the Rosenwald Fund, including the school building program, It is now preserved at the John Hope and Aurelia E. Franklin Library Special Collections and Archives. Our teams at Fisk University, John Hope and Aurelia E. Franklin Library, and the Forging Future Pathways Forward, building a portal to Rosenwald Collections for All at Fisk University Project, were thrilled to partner and collaborate with the Tennessee State Museum, said Delisa M. Harris, Director of Library Services at Fisk University. This exhibit is the first major showcase of the impact and legacy of the Julius Rosenwald Fund Rural School Program in Tennessee. The library and museum teams traveled across the state, making stops in all three grand divisions and connecting with many Rosenwald School communities. They met with Rosenwald School alumni and descendants who shared their stories and experiences. The 4,000-square-foot exhibit is a culmination of those visits, together with personal alumni and educator accounts, in an effort to highlight 16 of more than 350 Rosenwald communities in Tennessee. It aims to engage visitors in understanding the history and significance of these schools and the surrounding communities, along with current preservation efforts. 
It truly has been a privilege to work on this exhibit over the past year, said Gailani. In particular, the generosity of alumni and community leaders in sharing their histories and memories that have been a very humbling experience. We hope that this exhibit will help act as a platform for communities across the state to tell their stories and highlight the importance of Rosenwald schools not only in Tennessee's past, but to its present and future as well, he said. The Friends of the Spring Hill Library are getting set for their quarterly book sale later this month, but coming up on July 22nd is the annual pop-up book sale thanks to a donation from a local family. The books we'll have on sale at the pop-up sale for $20 to $25, but we will even have some that are more expensive, President Naomi Derryberry said. We've actually sold a couple at $200 each. The details on these things are just amazing, she said. We are very blessed to have the community's support. During the last weekend of July, though, the group will hold their annual quarterly sale, which consists of books donated to the library or to the sale. All of the funds raised at the book sales go toward funding the library's future makerspace, but this also helps to offset the cost of some of the library's programming throughout the year. That being said, Derryberry said the board voted to also allow for students who are in high school, seniors or younger, to obtain a credit for one free book. The goal of the library is to encourage reading, and what better way for us to do that than to give students a book, Derryberry said. We are excited for this year's sale because we hope to see a lot of young faces looking for something to read, she said. While a new library could be in the distant future, the Friends of the Library Group say they will continue to support the library however they are able, including with book sales. The group also sold brick pavers that were initially slated to be installed at the library that was to be built at the Northfield Complex before the building was sold. Those pavers are now installed at the library on Kedron Road until a new location is determined. The space at the current library is limited, despite serving a rapidly growing population and also being classified in the top level among public libraries, such as Memphis and Nashville, for the population it serves. We have tried to make this library work as best as we can with what we've got, Derryberry said. I think the library is the heart of the town. Anybody and everybody can go, no matter what your background is. Most of the programs have to turn people away because there isn't enough space, and we hope that can change soon, she said. The city's Board of Mayor and Aldermen discussed the funding of a new library as opposed to a new police headquarters, but ultimately decided to build the police station, which broke ground earlier this month. The event, the book sale, will open at 9 a.m. and close at 3 p.m. with a bag sale from 2 to 3 p.m. Hardback books are $2, paperback books $1, children's books $0.50, cents, and DVDs and audiobooks are available for $2 each. And now, your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Patricia Sewell Fitzgerald, 85, passed away Thursday, July 6th in Columbia. Graveside services for Mrs. Fitzgerald will be conducted on Saturday, July 15th at 11 a.m. at Sunset Hill Cemetery in the Theta community. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer. 
and why the way you feel has always been so important to Susie and Tony Sowell. When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family. What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy, we made it easier. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have partly to mostly cloudy skies today with a stray shower or thunderstorm possible. The high will be 89 degrees with light and variable winds. Tonight, we can expect mostly cloudy skies with scattered thundershowers developing late. The low will be 72 degrees with light and variable winds. The chance of overnight rain, 60%. For your weekend forecast, we will have scattered thunderstorms on Saturday, followed by mostly cloudy skies on Sunday. Daytime temperatures will be in the high 80s to low 90s. Overnight temperatures will be in the high 60s. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Keep listening. 101.7, 103.7, WKOM, WKRM, Delk Kennedy, owner-operator. Great to have you with us. Family first. <laughs> My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. 
Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Bob Kessling with Pat Ryan. It's a beautiful day for digging. The backhoe operator has the engine running and is moving into position. He's heading for the ground. He's in there. Wait, there's a flag on the play. Let's get out of the field for the call from our official. Illegal procedure on the digging team. Oh, that penalty could cause a costly accident. That's right, Bob. He needs to call before he digs. There's underground utility lines that could be hiding just below the surface. Water, sewer, electrical, communication lines, and even natural gas. Avoid a penalty by first calling 811 to have any underground public utility lines located and marked with flags or paint. It's free, it's easy, and it's the law. For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association. Funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. You're listening to your local radio. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter, and Blickman Industries LLC officials announced yesterday the company will invest $2.7 million to establish manufacturing operations in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. The project will create 48 new jobs in Lawrence County. Founded in 1889, Blickman Industries provides the healthcare industry with groundbreaking stainless steel and chrome solutions. The company offers the highest quality medical equipment and services to acute care hospitals, primary care offices, and surgery centers across the nation. Since 2019, Tennessee Economic and Community Development has supported more than 50 economic development projects in southern Middle Tennessee, resulting in approximately 7,600 job commitments and $5.5 billion in capital investments. Tennessee is the best state in the nation for companies to succeed thanks to our strong economy, unmatched business climate, and highly skilled workforce. I thank Blickman Industries for their investment to create nearly 50 new jobs and greater opportunity for families across Lawrence County, said Governor Bill Lee. We are proud to add Blickman Industries to the impressive list of healthcare manufacturing companies that call Tennessee home, said Tennessee Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter. In addition to its investment, we appreciate Blickman Industries for their onshoring jobs, which will strengthen our economy and create additional high-quality job opportunities in Lawrenceburg he said. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee today, and now our final story. It's that time of year for another roping roundup at the Murray County Park for the 19th annual Murray County Sheriff's Rodeo. The two-day event will take place starting at 8 p.m. Friday and Saturday at Murray County Park, located at 1018 Murray County Park Drive, with gates opening at 5.30 p.m. This year's event is also sponsored by Harness LLC. The Murray County Sheriff's Rodeo serves as a community outreach and fundraiser hosted by the Murray County Association of School Resource Officers and the Murray County Reserve Officers Association, supporting the department's year-round efforts to give to families in need. Tickets are $20 at the gate, with kids ages 11 and under free. Hattie Jane's Creamery on the downtown Columbia Square is celebrating National Ice Cream Month all through July with weekly giveaways, pop-up events, and specials. On Sunday, Hattie Jane's will top off the month-long celebration with National Ice Cream Day, which will include exclusive swag bag giveaways to the first 20 customers. Guests can also enjoy free ice cream toppings on all orders. Follow Hattie Jane's Creamery on Instagram, where the shop will be giving away free six-pint boxes of ice cream every Monday, with winners announced on Wednesdays throughout July. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. My friend Chris Yao will be filling in for me next week. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great weekend.